If you want to participate, contact me at ordinarywomenpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure you have great projects to brag about. You can also follow me and message me on Instagram at ordinarywomenpodcast, on Twitter at ordinarywomenpc, or on Facebook on the page Ordinary Women. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Ordinary Women, and today I'm welcoming Chiara. Hi Chiara. Hi Lucy, thank you for having me today. How are you? Thank you so much for coming. I'm very good. How are you? Very good. Pretty excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you as well. Can you start by giving us a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm Chiara, as you said, I'm Italian, I'm 30 years old. For the past four years, approximately, I've been living in Portugal first and then in Spain. So now I'm based in Barcelona for work, but I'm back to Italy and to my lovely Rome for the Christmas holidays. Can you tell us something unusual about yourself? Everyone around me knows that I'm super organized, structured, and I like to have everything under control. But uh, since I realized that this could also be a limit in the past year and a half, I guess more or less with the pandemic, I decided that I needed to explore my creative self. If I ever had one, still not sure, <laughs> still wondering. So I guess that's something that I'm doing that is unusual for me lately. I'm trying to be a bit more artistic, so I learned how to play an instrument and I'm attending theater courses, so I don't know, I want to challenge myself and do something unusual. Maybe this is not unusual for other people, but for me it is. It's super challenging because I'm not used to it due to my personality, so I guess, yeah, that's it, that's my fact. Oh, that's so cool, that's such a good challenge. Which instrument are you trying to learn? Uh, ukulele. <laughs> nice! Very excited about that. So since here we talk about what it is like to be a woman, one question that I like to ask at the beginning is, was there an event or a moment in your life when you realized you are a woman? Well, I wouldn't say probably a specific event in my life, but I rather say the, the moment or the period of my life when I move abroad for the first time. I guess this was for me like the, the epiphany, you know, I'm not a girl anymore, I'm not a child, I'm becoming a woman because, I don't know, probably you can relate, but uh, living in a foreign environment, being able to cope with different difficult situations on your own and everything made me realize that I was an adult and I was a woman and it's something that took me some time to get to that awareness, but I guess that's my answer. Oh yeah, that's very cool. You know what, that reminds me of the first week I was in Rome. So it was the first time that I moved from my parents. I was in a new country, very new the language back then. And I remember on, I think it was my second day in Rome, being on a bus. I think it was on Piazza Venezia. Okay. And I remember thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Like, why did I want to leave? And then leave one of the best years of my life, but yeah. <laughs> No, but I guess that going out from your comfort zone is something that really makes you grow faster than usual. Yeah, completely. I don't know if it was the same for you, but when I did that, like, I grew so, so much that year. I don't know about you. Yeah, same. Sometimes I'm thinking like, oh my god, I had so many adventures and stories to tell, a lot of bad lucks and difficult situations, 
that still now they made me the person that I am. I, sometimes like I may need to write a book about it, you know, because I mean, it can be useful for someone else. When I was abroad, everything happened to me, like everything. So it's been like, maybe one day I will give some workshop how to survive abroad if they see your phone, if you cannot enter your apartment, if I don't know, so many other funny situations, but yeah. I would definitely read that or go to the workshop. Please do. <laughs> that would be very cool. And did you have any feminine role model when you were a child and with whom you grew up? I would say the female role in my family. So my mom and both my grandmothers. Not in a very specific way, but the way they educated me, the way they made me grow and feel, let's say, aware of how to behave, how to treat people and everything they made me the woman I am now. So I would say that probably they have been my feminine role models in the past, for sure. And uh, yeah, impacting mainly my personality now and the values I have, I would say, caring, listening, respecting the others. Mm, that's very cool. What do you think you got from them? So you, you say it like, yeah, a lot of empathetic, I guess, values. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think it's not common nowadays to have values or at least to have these kind of values. They are kind of, let's say, outdated. If you see, like, with social media and all this crazy area we're living now, respect to me is a value that is lacking a lot. And I'm super happy with the education I got with my family because my main value is behave with others the way you would like the other to behave with you, you know? And this is so obvious if you think about it, but it's not because we have clear example on how people cannot behave towards the other because they're not respecting people, they're not listening to people, they're not paying attention to their needs. And this is something that luckily I have and I can see it both in my personal and professional life. And I think this was thanks to my family. Oh, yeah. And I guess actually, like, that's quite funny that you mentioned respecting people and like opinion, like listening to them, because I felt that as women, we experience a lot of disrespect from men. Men's behavior towards women is very often disrespectful. Yeah, I guess the moment or the environment where I felt it the most was probably at work during my first working experiences. So I'm not so experienced at the moment, but the first internship or contract that I had in the past, I really felt how women were lacking some representation and respect in the environment. And I felt it on my skin because I always felt like I need to prove that I deserve to be here, but why my peer there that is a male is not doing the same why everything is so obvious and implicit for them and I always need to be here like showing that I'm actually deserve this position that I'm working you know that I'm not here just because but because I deserve it and to me this was a real struggle at the beginning like my first year professional worker were horrible because like I was feeling always underestimated because I was a woman, I was young, and I remember, for example, that in one situation, I got promoted pretty fast because I deserved it. <laughs> I'm a fast learner, so I was pretty good at my job and I was promoted to, at the time, was corporate trainer. So I was giving training to new joiners in the company. And I remember receiving some comment like, oh my God, but you're like 26 and you're a girl. You're not even a woman. So how are you here already? I was like, because I work hard and I deserve it. I don't know why I'm here replying to this question, you know? Yeah. And to me, that was the period of my life that impacted me the most, that I felt mostly underrepresented or underestimated because of being a woman. And um, 
yeah i don't remember why i started this <laughs> Um, I don't remember either, but it was very interesting anyway, so I'm very happy. <laughs> but yeah, it's so annoying. And also like, probably these priesthood who are like, oh, why did you get it? Like, because I'm better than you. <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but why, why, why should I even receive this type of question, you know? The first few years of my job experience were like, what the hell? This is going to happen every time that I change a company or that I change position, that I need to find some sort of justification for myself to be here. Can't you see that I'm working hard? Why should I even say to people that are not even my boss, you know, I'm not even reporting to them? Yeah, completely. That's so annoying. That reminds me also when I did my internship, I think I had been there for three or four months and two other interns arrived, one woman and one man. We were about the same age. I think they were both doing their master's degree as well. And because I had been there for three months, basically, I had to like teach them some of the things that we had to do. And the woman was, she was great, but the man was constantly questioning my position there. And more than once, he went to my manager to like either confirm or say like, oh yeah, she said that, but I think I want to do that, blah, blah, blah. And she would be like, no, because like I would do what my manager told me. So she was like, no, that was ugh, so annoying. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this is pretty common nowadays. To me, it was the very first experience I had right after completing my degree. It was like that. The second one, it was the same. So to me, this, is, this was the only way I was used to work, you know, always questioning myself. And was annoying, frustrating, but at the same time, I was also feeling like, oh my God, I'm not happy, you know. If this is going to be my life from now on, this is not going to be cool. And actually, I like working, you know, I'm a hard worker, I like to learn new things, I have to do things, I don't know, to see projects that I'm working on that are coming to life and all this stuff. And then I was, but if this is going to be like this my entire life, oh my God, this sucks. Yeah. Then luckily I found a normal company and an healthy environment and I realized how it should be. You know, when they say that if you're happy when you're working, you will never work a day in your life, something like this. Yeah. Now it's fine. But uh, coming back to your previous, to one of your previous questions, I guess that this was also a moment of epiphany and revelation for me. Like, okay, I need to pick up and for myself. I need to learn how to survive to this environment. And this was also a moment when I realized, okay, I'm not a child anymore. I'm a woman. I need to learn how to handle this. I need to learn without having a burnout, without falling down because of people questioning me, you know? Completely. Well, I'm so glad that you found a normal, decent company where you feel <laughs> good at the moment. That's, that's so important. That's so great. And so you talked a bit about the lack of representation at work. And would you say there are more at work or in other parts of your life where the lack of representation of women in society had an impact on you? In my personal experience, work was the main area because I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by decent people. <laughs> so I never feel this, this balance in other category, let's say, of my life. Like my family, as I told you, they gave me, I guess, the perfect, basic, but still optimal education. So I never felt underrepresented or discriminated within my social life family friends university i never felt this to me it was surprising that 
it was happening like in an environment where we are supposed to be all adult. If this is not happening to me in a teenager environment, while this is happening with people with more seniority, let's say. But yeah, no, I, I'm pretty lucky in my social life. I've never felt this. Of course, I'm aware that this is happening for other people. But as I said, not my case. Oh, so good for you. That's so important to grow up like this. And do you currently have any female role models? I guess I don't mean to sound obvious with this answer, but I guess that my female friends, in a certain way, they are all role models for me. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, when you're moving around from one country to another, from a city to another, you get to know a lot of different people. So different backgrounds, different life expectations, different working experience, different personalities. And all those people, those female friends that I'm still very connected to, that I met in some stage of my life, they are really inspiring to me because like, even if we all have different goals and stuff, every project that they have, every challenge that I see that they're facing made me realize how we can be ordinary, but we can still make the difference, you know? So I'm learning a lot from all of them. And I guess that now on a certain degree, they're all inspiring me to be, let's say, a better woman. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, it's so important to have great friends. Earlier, you were talking about learning how to play the ukulele, starting to do theater. Was that something that was inspired to you by some of your friends? Uh, yeah, actually, yes. So a really close friend of mine, she's playing the ukulele. So when I decided I wanted to do something during the pandemic, during the lockdown and etc., she suggested me to buy one and try to. And that's how it happened. And now it's super, like, apart that when we meet, because we are not living in the same city, we are making some duets here and there. <laughs> which is fun. fun yeah and also i think it's something that really helps me when i have some stressful day or i don't know i feel like upset for something music really helps me to you know put it out let it go and relax and same goes for theater i have in this case it's not a female role model but i have a friend of mine male he's <laughs> an actor and all my friends here in rome were attending his theater workshop and I couldn't because I was living in Portugal at the time. So I thought, okay, I want to challenge myself in something different. I never thought about doing it. Let's try to do this. I could really see the benefit on my friends, you know. They were learning how to express themselves better in terms of like the way they were communicating, but also what they were communicating. And I thought, okay, I think I'm already a good communicator, but maybe I feel shy in some situation. Or I feel that, as I told you at the beginning, I'm pretty structured as a person. So I don't always feel like improvising, so let's try to see if this helps and I learn how to do it, you know, not only in theatre but also in my personal life. Let's think out of the box and I think this is how, I don't know, seeing how my friends were growing and were developing more soft skills thanks to this experience, I decided to do it myself. Which is sad because I'm not doing it with them but at the same time I, I have in parallel more or less the same experience. Yeah, this is so cool, honestly. This is so nice. And since you started, have you seen a change? Or like, were you in a situation and you were like, oh, actually, like, I don't need structure right now. I'm going to do something more spontaneous or something? Oh my God, yes, definitely. 
<laughs> I was like, I think last week, a few weeks ago, I was acting in front of a small audience, but I was doing it and I was doing it fine. I was doing it without, I, of course, I was nervous. I was not thinking, oh my God, what these people think about me? Oh my God, I need to be perfect. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I cannot make a mistakes and everything. So I felt like, oh my God, if they would have told me two months ago, I would have replied, no way I'm doing this because I'm afraid I will go there and forget everything. I'm afraid I will go there and people will laugh at me. And this is something that now I'm feeling less and less. And I saw it that day when I was playing my monologue in front of everyone. And I was, wow. It's amazing how in a few weeks you can already feel the change in your behavior, in your, I wouldn't say personality, it's more a matter of practice and feel more confident. So yeah, it helped me a lot. This is so cool. Uh, can't wait to see you on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, not, not that far. I think if you want to come to Barcelona and see one show, probably it's more realistic, you know? <laughs> Ooh, I might. Yes, that would be very cool, actually. That's very, very cool. All right. I'd like to jump on the kind of like second part of this podcast and talk about the project. So what do you want to talk about? So when you invited me, I've been thinking a lot. And uh, I thought about these experiences that is pretty related to what we discussed in the first part of this uh, episode. Being underrepresented, don't have a voice or feel like discriminated somehow at work or in society in general. And there is this super cool initiative created by Google. So it's not my idea, but this initiative, this workshop is called Unremarkable. I got to know this initiative in the moment I really needed to because it helped me to have critical thinking of, okay, where am I? What am I doing? Why I'm not able to express myself? And uh, at work, I had the chance to attend this workshop one year and a half ago. So basically the aim of this unremarkable workshop is to help women and underrepresented group in general and empower them to accept, talk openly and celebrate their achievement, both in personal and professional life. And this was something I was struggling a lot because of those situations that I mentioned to you. So people are always questioning me and I got to a point, I'm tired. Why should I even say what I'm doing? You know, if they don't see it, why should I talk about my achievement? It's clear that they don't see them. So I don't know. So I was letting myself down quite a lot at the time. And uh, attending that workshop was really so helpful to me because I realized how important it is to embrace self-promotion in your life, no matter if it's work or it's your personal life. And self-promotion is not a bad thing, it's actually a skill, it's something we should all practice, we should all have, like, there's nothing bad in saying what you're achieving in your life, you know? And I had this perception myself, and this is the one of the main pillars of this workshop, that women are underrepresented in these environments, and so they are leaning less towards talk about their achievement because they suffer the uh, imposter syndrome. So they feel like they don't deserve where they are. So they don't feel like talking about what they're doing because they are fooling people. Yeah, that feeling that you're not good enough and that you're an imposter and that soon people will discover that exactly. you shouldn't be here and that you arrived here kind of by chance, but that you don't belong, something like that, you don't deserve. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I was at that point in my career and in my life, I was feeling really discriminated but at the same time I didn't have the courage and the, the strength to, to do something you know to change my situation and uh, I was passively receiving this feedback these questions and I was like I don't know whatever I'm tired you know 
And attending that workshop really made me switch the perspective. It made me realize that I'm responsible for this. I cannot expect people to know what I'm doing. Of course, like discrimination is not good, but if this is happening to me, I should be strong enough, brave enough to stand up and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. These are facts. So what are you talking about? I do deserve this position because of this. And I do deserve this in my personal life because of this. One of the pillars is that it's not bragging if it's based on facts. And this to me was mind-blowing, so simple, but at the same time so, so true. Like, why should I feel like shame if I say something, if I talk about my accomplishment? These are true, these are facts, this, this is happening, you know? This is something I've done, I've done it for real. So why should I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I say, hey you, I'm here in this position because of these events, of these facts, of this accomplishment that I had in my life. So. To me, that was like a turning point that changed my perspective, that changed my attitude. And I felt so inspired that I decided I wanted to inspire people myself. So I became a facilitator of this workshop. Now it's one year. I think in January is one year that I'm a facilitator myself. And basically I'm facilitating the workshop with small group of people. I always done it remotely because of COVID, unfortunately. But I think it's amazing how this topic I mean, the structure of the workshop is pretty basic. You don't even have so many slides or so many information to provide your audience with, you know. But it's more an open discussion, how people feel about this topic, if they ever felt underrepresented, discriminated, how do they feel about talking about their accomplishment. And this is so powerful to have this kind of conversation with people. And it doesn't need to be only women, it can also be men because it's interesting to see how also men can be discriminated or underrepresented in some situation or how men realize that are discriminating women in some situation or women are even discriminating women, you know? This is happening a lot actually that for some, I don't know, some jealousy or something, women are the worst enemy of other women. So to me, this has been super inspiring and since I'm a facilitator, I feel even more enriched and empowered because listening to other people's stories and listening how they're also struggling with the same topic and help them to come through, you know, understand how to accept that they are good at something because the first thing is the acceptance because sometimes they don't even realize it, you know. So they accept that they, they do have achievement and they can talk about it and they should celebrate it because something they should be proud of it's super inspiring and uh, I think it's some part it can also be touching depending on the level of intimacy that you reach during the workshop I had some examples from people attending the workshop that were super touching and uh, yeah I guess this is the project I wanted to bring to this podcast because I think it's really interesting related to the main topic and it's something we all need this is so, so interesting and such a cool thing to do. That also reminds me when you talked about the imposter syndrome of the glass ceiling, which is, I think, like what you're trying to break in a way. So I don't know if you're familiar. I think it's a theory, I would say, in social sciences. I'll have to do a bit more research for that and it will be in the in the podcast notes, in the episode notes. Okay. But basically, 
the glass ceiling is that yeah theory that women tend to not apply to the jobs they are competent for because of this because they've been taught basically well like we've been taught I don't know why I don't include that in my, myself in that we've been taught <laughs> not to talk about our achievements etc and that we think that we don't deserve that we yeah because of this uh, imposter syndrome we don't even apply even if we are competent whereas men would tend to see a job and be like oh yeah sure I can do that even though sometimes they don't have the competences but they would still do it actually this is one of the study that is mentioned also that I like to mention during the workshop I found it super interesting because if you ask people both women and men would you I don't know what's the percentage of skill match that you think you need to have before applying to a job. The percentage for women is super high. Sometimes I say 90%, 95% match their CV with the job description. Otherwise, they do not even apply. They do not even try. And for men, it's around 65, 70. So this tells you a lot about the difference between the perception that we have of ourselves. Because it's not a matter of men are better than women or the other way around. Like it's a matter how do you feel about your self-confidence? How do you feel competent? Why don't you even try? And uh, this is super interesting to me. And uh, it's super interesting to have different stories. This sounds very cool. Yeah. But I'm very, well, half surprised and half not. But like, I didn't know about these statistics. That's quite important. Yeah, I know that I do that a lot. Now I'm, I have a job that I love. So like, I'm not applying at the moment. But before I got in, when I've had to apply, I would be like, oh, I'm missing this one thing on the list. I would have 10 skills listed. I would not apply. Except that one time when <laughs> I'm so desperate. I applied for a job of like an expert on the football market for like contracts of players or something like that <laughs> and okay. I was just like you know what I'm gonna apply at this point anything will do uh yeah obviously I didn't even get an interview but yeah <laughs> yeah. but, but at least you tried no yeah exactly at that point you know I was trying <laughs> I mean, the final goal was the same, trying maybe the intention, we need to change it a little bit, not because you're desperate, but because you're self-confident, but yeah, true, it's something true. we can work on. <laughs> but you know, what is really nice about this project, as I told you, is not really, oh my God, it's a boring workshop. She's going to pass like, you know, uh, one hour and a half talking about statistics, studies, and like, I don't know, general information about something that's so obvious and known worldwide now. No, it's really like, everyone is talking everyone is participating it's super confidential so nothing that is said during the workshop can be shared outside and i like to make people where there is so they feel comfortable in talking about their experiences and what is really interesting is that from my perspective i was inspired by the workshop the day i attended it and i'm trying to inspire people but what is nice is that then you have this domino effect because even if your audience is not then becoming a facilitator as i decided to do then if they learn the lesson they're trying to inspire other people in their daily life you know and it's a matter of really changing the attitude and boost your confidence and help people to boost their confidence and this is nice it's kind of coaching probably as well which is an area that i found super interesting uh, not the life coaching that the coaches are saying ah oh, you're great you're doing great you're doing fine keep going not this stuff but this is kind of yeah i don't know life coaching business coaching can be as well and i think it's super interesting yeah, definitely. And so you said at the beginning that you came to know about this because it was presented at your job, right? Yeah. 
how did it arrive in your workplace? Well, this is pretty easy because at the time I was working for an outsourcing company and my client was Google. So since this is an initiative from Google, we were incentivated to have this kind of workshop once in a while. And that's why they organize it for the employees. But then you're not really linked to Google. I mean, even if you're a facilitator, you can like present the workshop to anyone, to your friends, to your university, to your job if it's in another company. It's something that Google is the company related to it but then it's something different for example i know you're familiar with esm <laughs> the erasmus student network because yes. this is how we met basically <laughs> but to me it was really nice i organized specific sessions for um, volunteers from esm and i did it with a different perspective it was not only related to women or underrepresented group in general but it was the focus at least the focus i decided to have during those sessions was to help students to understand how important it is to speak openly about their accomplishment because i remember when i left university i was so lost I had no clue what I had to do and the first job interviews were a nightmare. I didn't know how to present myself, I didn't know how to talk about what I've done and during my university period I've done many things that maybe they don't sound or look super interesting the moment you read quickly a CV but if you're able to talk about your accomplishments, to explain exactly what you're doing and it's not bragging again because you're talking about facts then you can have such a beautiful career and occasion like opportunity and to me it was also nice to have this perspective so university perspective help people who are about to finish this period to help them with this transition to their job life you know yeah definitely it is so important and yeah at uni it's not something we necessarily learn about completely or even i remember even struggling with like just showing the skills i had because you're at the chorus and like it is interesting and stuff but then what do you actually do with that i feel that this is very lacking from all the universities i've been to which is a shame but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. completely agree and so when you were at this first workshop what's the first things you thought when I was attending or when I was presenting? Well, my question was about when you were attending, but also feel free to talk about when you were presenting because I'm sure it's interesting as well. <laughs> so my first thought was like, first of all, I thought it was, oh my God, this is so obvious. This is in front of any of us every day. But it's, to me, was, as I say, mind-blowing because how don't we even think about, you know? I mean, this is happening. It's clear now that someone is clearly stating that we tend to have women, we tend to have the imposter syndrome more than men, and uh, that we tend to feel ashamed or to feel maybe too arrogant if we're talking about our accomplishment. So it was, wow. I mean, I knew it, but I never realized it until now. And then when I was first presenting, I was like, okay, I know what I need to say, but I don't know what would be the reaction because there may be people that react the same way I did in the past. Or there may be people that found it so lame that they don't even want to talk about it. So first time, but every time that I'm presenting this workshop, I'm super happy because I feel that this topic is so important to people at, in this specific moment where we are living now. And I like to see the interaction, I like to see sharing of experiences, of emotions. It's really a powerful moment for me. Yeah, it must be. And you must learn so much, even as a facilitator, every time you're doing it. 
Yeah, definitely. I was a bit out by the fact that at the time I was, as I mentioned before, a corporate trainer. So I was already facilitating workshops for work. But having this type of workshop that are more emotional related, more related to soft skills or simply to personality and human being, you know, these are the moments where I really need to put there my empathetic trait of personality that I told you that my family inspired me to have because you need to be a good listener. You need to care about what people are saying and uh, you need to pay a lot of attention. Yeah, I guess you have to be focused the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is so cool. And what made you want to be a facilitator? I guess the idea of helping people the way my facilitator at the time helped me to come through this topic and to understand that I was stuck in a situation, but I was also responsible to unblock it, you know. I don't know if I remember how I was feeling in the first year of my career and I think about someone else going through the same, I would be more than happy to help these people because... I mean, we shouldn't feel wrong or we shouldn't feel that we do not deserve something. So let's say that I want to be altruistic and help people the way I was helped at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And how long was there when you first thought about becoming a facilitator and when you actually became one? A few months, but it was mainly a matter of waiting list to become a facilitator because you need to go through some steps and it was pretty long, the waiting list. I attended the workshop in July and I became a facilitator in January. Okay, cool. That means yeah. also, that's very nice. That means that there are quite a lot of people willing to do that then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's like if you if you look at the website and you see at the number, there are people all over the world facilitating these workshops and it's amazing, like the impact that can have worldwide. And it's all on a volunteer basis. You're not earning anything by this. It's simply you want to do it because you believe in this. I believe in this value, I believe in this idea and that's why I'm doing it. All the facilitators are volunteers. So this is also amazing for me that... There are so many people willing to spend their free time on this just for the sake of helping other people, you know? Yeah, completely. That's very cool. And how did you do it? So basically, the requirements are that you need to attend first one workshop as participant, then you apply to become a facilitator and you need to follow a specific session, train the trainer. And then basically they give you all the tools. You need to schedule at least a workshop within, I don't remember how many months, to be officially a facilitator. And then you have a minimum number of workshops to be scheduled yearly. And why are you proud of it? Uh, because of the impact it has on people. It can seem so simple, but I think it's really important to state clearly where you're standing now, what have you done so far, what are your objectives for the future. I think it's something we should all learn how to do and uh, it's something that you need to practice because it's not from one day to another you're able to do it. It's a skill. So you need to learn how to talk about your accomplishment, how to set your objective clearly and how to, again, be more self-confident and aware of your abilities. Cool, yeah. Have you heard back of someone who came back to you saying that you helped them, that what their what achievement they accomplished thanks to the workshop? Ah, yeah, yeah. This is also super amazing because the feedback 
I got after its sessions were great. And I remember lately, I think it was a month ago, a friend of mine, she told me, you know what? Thanks to the workshop, I applied to a job that if I think about it a few months ago, I would never apply because of this lack of skills or at least this perception that we have that we're lacking some skills that we were talking about before. And she told me, I remember what you told me during the workshop. I remember that I need to trust myself more, that I need to challenge myself more. So I applied even if I'm not a perfect match for the job description. I was so happy to receive this message. I still don't know how did it go, honestly. <laughs> but at least the intention is there, the effort is there, and this to me is enough. Yeah, completely. That's so great to have the actual results. That's so cool. And also, yeah, if she doesn't get that one, maybe the next one. This is so cool. Yeah. This is very, very cool. And was there any important person who had an impact on it, on your willingness to do it or on the way you did it or something? I'm pretty grateful to the people organizing my previous company, for sure, because like the fact that they believed in this value and organizing for the employees helped me to then follow this path and develop a path for myself. But yeah, I guess that's it. Important to have that in a company. That's so great that they did it. Yeah. That's very cool. Was there any challenge that you faced? Well, it's not always easy. I mean, you don't know how people will react. I'm not worried about facilitating a workshop per se because it's something I'm used to do. But, and again, this comes back to my mindset that needs to have everything under control and needs to have everything organized. So going there and not knowing what would be the reaction, which type of facts or personal stories they will share, it's always a bit scary because at least I feel a lot of responsibility in this because you don't know how much a person will open up during this session, if they're going to share something really sensitive. So you need to be ready to react to any type of comment, to any type of story that they want to share. This is something you cannot prepare. So to me, it's really a challenge because it's something against, let's say, my, my way of thinking. Uh, but at the same time, it's something that is really enriching you because the moment you get to have a very personal story or something you were not expecting, you're learning a lot. So I guess it's something that can be a, a blocker, but it's something that also at the end of the workshop will give you so, like you will learn such a great lesson that it's worth it. That's very cool. Have you ever had someone in a workshop who refused to open or difficult, if I can say that, behavior? Not really, because like to me, it never happened during my sessions, honestly. But in general, it's a matter of you as a facilitator to create a comfort zone where they feel free to open. And this is something that from the very beginning of the workshop, you try to remark and to make them feel at ease because they don't. That's why I was also saying super strict, the rule of confidentiality, because nothing is going to be shared and etc. So you put their like all these ground rules since the very beginning and uh, the way you lead the workshop and the way you present all these rules should help people to feel comfortable in sharing if they don't of course well you shouldn't force them of course that's against the, the purpose of this <laughs> workshop but as far as i can see they do feel comfortable and they share at the end of it oh that's nice yeah yeah Cool. And was there something easier than you thought would be? Well, I guess it's becoming easier and easier, this part of not knowing what to expect. Once mm -hmm. you get used to it 
and you had already different groups and you could already see different reaction and different type of story that they bring up it's becoming easier so i was expecting this to be much harder honestly but at the end it's also the most interesting part and it's becoming easier every time well that's cool I think that was actually my last question. I don't really have any more questions. Okay. But maybe there is something you would like to add? No, just let me know if someone is interested. I think it's for the type of guests you're having in this podcast, I think it's super relevant. And it would be great to hear different stories. So this, okay, this, I mean, sounds, this yeah, sounds like I an advertising. Definitely... <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely be interested and yeah if anyone who listens is as well well message me or like if you want to message Chiara maybe you have a like professional or something where people can contact you for that I no no since no since it's on a voluntary basis I don't have anything professional related to this but okay. they can message you and it's fine okay cool so anyone can message me if you want that <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Honestly, it was so interesting. It really makes me want to like look a bit more into that. And and yeah, I would definitely be down to do one. <laughs> thank you this so much so for good. having me. Thank you for coming. As usual, the very last word of the podcast is from the guest. So the mic is yours. Remember that everyone is remarkable and you just need to find your voice to, to say it out loud. <laughs>